0: Of all branches, radio is the best. It's the most imaginative and the most participatory. It's the most involving, and I prefer it to all the others.
1: About two years ago, a Bedouin wandered into a cave in western Palestine and stumbled across some earthenware pitchers, most of them broken. What he found in the pitchers aroused the interest of biblical scholars throughout the world. Gerard Fay of the Manchester Guardian tells about it in this report from London. Inside some of them he found 11 scrolls, obviously put there to preserve the writings on them. They were in
0: Hebrew. On the eve of Thanksgiving in 1949, Russian diplomat Andrei Vishnevsky told the UN General Assembly that Russia fully supported communist China in removing the nationalist Chinese delegation from the U.N., while U.S., British and French commissioners agreed to lift many industrial and diplomatic restrictions in West Germany. an Israeli Foreign Minister Muishi Sharet rejected a compromise proposal from the U.N. that would internationalize Jerusalem. These discoveries great excitement among biblical scholars. Ted Williams of the Boston Red Sox won the American League Most Valuable Player award, and smog was becoming a serious issue in Los Angeles.
1: until all those in a fit condition to be translated have been translated.
0: The Cold War and communist fears were reaching new heights as celebrities listed in the Red Channels found themselves blacklisted in Hollywood. The US spent the first 10 months of 1949 in a recession. Competition for the advertising dollar was stiffer. There were now over 2,600 AM and FM radio stations in the country, and TV was becoming a threat.
1: In they could easily have fallen to pieces and been lost forever.
0: Over 100 television stations were on the air. Only two network radio shows had ratings higher than a 20. Just two years earlier, they were 15. Radio's average top 50 ratings were the lowest since 1937, and national radio revenue dropped for the first time since 1933. Meanwhile NBC, ABC, CBS, and the DuMont network reported a combined TV income of $29.4 million. But advertisers were learning production costs were much higher in TV than radio. The extra money had to come from somewhere. Radio budgets were the likely source. But if there was anyone who knew how to stretch a dollar, it was radio writer and director Carlton E. Morse.
1: What were your credentials? What did you do before that? You were a young man at the time?
0: Well, the show started in 32.
1: I was a young man at 31. <laughs> I had been a newspaper man, both in Sacramento on the old union which bret hart and mark twain contributed mm-hmm. to and then i came down and was on the copy desk of the san francisco chronicle for three four years and then i went to seattle on the seattle times mm-hmm. it was up there when i we heard our first radio uh it wasn't a show it was a, a boxing championship and i've mm-hmm. forgotten who was fighting <laughs> but came back to san francisco and and newspapers were folding awfully fast. So a friend of mine had a job over at NBC, and I went over and uh, was taken on a week-by-week basis to uh, see what I could do. I had written columns for papers, but I had done nothing in a dramatic form at all.
0: Tonight we'll join Morse on a boxcar somewhere in the lonely west and celebrate Thanksgiving by burying our dead in Arizona. Welcome to Breaking Walls, Episode 133. My name is James Scully. Tonight on Breaking Walls, we spend Thanksgiving 1949 with the cast of I Love a Mystery. If this is your first time listening to Breaking Walls, welcome to the show. You can find this series on every podcasting platform and at thewallbreakers.com. Tonight's opening theme song is Al Pedaway's version of Sligo Creek, as played for Ken Burns' American National Parks documentary. Join the Breaking Walls Facebook group to keep in touch with news, snippets, photos, and other additions to the podcast at facebook.com slash groups slash The Wall And Burning Gotham, the new historical fiction audio drama set in 1835 New York City, will debut this month. For more information, go to burninggotham.com. You can also support these shows for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash the wallbreakers
1: One Man's Family of course was probably the longest running serial drama on radio. When was the first broadcast? In 1932 in April. Of 1932 it ran uh, about 27 and a half years.
0: Carlton E. Morse was born in Jennings, Louisiana, on June 4, 1901. He began working in California as a news reporter in the 1920s. In 1929, he was hired by KGO San Francisco, then NBC's most important West Coast station. Morse became one of the station's seminal writers. He was given some control over new programs, creating some of the West Coast's most listened to shows, and displaying a talent for writing multi-part serials. He felt the best way to capture the attention of listeners was with a distinctive and alarming opening signature a screaming police siren or the sound of a gong being struck he also created what was perhaps the longest running serial in radio history one man's family which debuted on april 29th 1932
1: one man's family is dedicated to the mothers and fathers of the younger generation and to their
0: bewildering offspring tonight we present chapter 8 book 44 entitled Thanksgiving at the Dairy Ranch. J. Anthony Smythe starred as Henry Barber with Vanita Ellen as his wife Fanny. Barber was a stockbroker who lived in the Seacliff area of San Francisco. The show centered around the entire extended family's love, dilemmas, and exploits. By the end of the 1930s, Morse wanted to try his hand at writing a mystery program.
1: People really turned on to your radio efforts, didn't they? They they really did, and I'm awfully glad that I got in first on these things because it's terrible competition these days, and (laughs) I'm just as glad to be out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, you had done so much with the family, one man's family, and the, the real solid kind of a family life show. Mm. Uh, when did you turn to writing the adventure and the
0: mystery of I Love a Mystery?
1: Well, in 1939, we had been on... Uh, about seven years on One Man's Family? Uh, yeah, about seven years on, uh, with the family. I suddenly began to feel I needed something besides the family. It wasn't that I wanted to give the family up, but I wanted to be free for a few hours with something else. So when the uh, advertising agency suggested that they would like to see what I could do in the way of a mystery, they said, write two or three shows, what you'd like to do, and give us an outline. So I chose three characters, Jack, Doc, and Reggie. I gave several titles. Among them was I Love a Mystery, which the agency selected. They didn't even read the scripts, they just said, uh, okay, well, we've set up a date with NBC, it'll be five times a week. You mean just on the basis of the titles that you submitted, they, and, and the, uh, your credentials as a writer? Well, of course, yeah. I've been writing for them, for Standard Brand, for yeah. five or six years. Were, were you employed by NBC or by the agency I at, was, at that time, up to uh, that, that point? Up to that point, and... For quite a long time afterwards, I was on the NBC staff. Mm -hmm. Then through sponsorship, I began to make so much more money than as a staff writer that I was released from the staff and
0: depended on sponsors for money after that.